first episode that I have gotten the chance to record since um, since the new year. Uh, we, of course, had a fantastic episode last week that we recorded a little bit ahead of time, but um, a fantastic episode with uh, founder and executive director of Turning Point USA, Charlie Kirk, and you can go back to that episode of last week's and listen to it. We had a great discussion on on student loans and on um, the future with, with the youth movement um, and youth empowerment, and we had a fantastic discussion there in, in West Palm Beach, actually. Um, and of course, you can go back and listen to that anytime, and especially if you subscribe to us on iTunes, you'll never be able to miss an episode because you'll constantly be getting updated as soon as episodes are uploaded. So you'll definitely want to get that and follow Maliberty on Twitter and, of course, like my page on Facebook. We now have a Republican-controlled Congress with almost, of course we did before, but now it's, it's, it's a new era it's a new era. We have a Republican-controlled Congress, a almost a Republican president, um, and virtually every other layer and level of government is Republican-controlled, from the state level uh, to the local level, with with the exception of a few states. It's by far um, ruling supreme right now. And I think it's quite telling because um, for quite some time, a lot of people have considered the the Republican Party in in kind of a dying breed, and and I was one of them to some extent, and I still am. Um, but I can I can elaborate on that later. Republicans now have complete control of the government, not just the federal government, but all of the government. The Supreme Court, uh, soon to be the president in just a week, and virtually every other level, from your county commissioner all the way up. Now, some is uh, some will absolutely say that that is without question a positive thing, and I and I think to some to some extent it is. Make no mistake, there that there will be some positives that come out of the next. Four years, possibly eight, um, depending on A, if Trump wins re-election, and B, if the GOP can keep their seats in the in the uh, House and the Senate. However, I, I, I am not necessarily as excited as I'm seeing a lot of people are uh, on social media and a lot of people that I, I speak with and I talk to. Because complete Republican control, honestly, it scares me a little bit. When you have, because I, I was never one to really be upset. Yeah, sure, there were some bills that I would have liked to have seen passed that weren't, but I was never really upset whenever there was gridlock in Washington. Because while, yes, it can prevent good bills from passing, it also stops the bad ones as well. Gridlock is not a bad thing by any stretch of the imagination, and, and, and partisanship, while it may be a cancer on the U.S. political system, if we have 
gridlock, it can have some, some positive aspects to it. Because what, what some people would otherwise vote for, just because it's common sense, they don't because of partisanship. Because there aren't principled leaders in Washington, um, with the exception of a few here and there. And that's actually one thing I, I really want to touch on today because, wow, we have had... Now, Republican-controlled Congress, not a good thing whatsoever. It can have some good aspects, just like a Democrat-controlled Congress can. And just like a Democrat-controlled government can. I absolutely believe that. On both sides. Democratic-controlled government can provide... Um, if, if they're authentic Democrats, which of course we know most of the time they aren't, but sometimes this can happen. Um, if they are authentic Democrats, it can lead to, say, less war, less surveillance, but of course they aren't. And the same thing with authentic Republicans. And that is what we have seen in just, I, it's just the first week practically of, of Republican-controlled Congress about to have a Republican president. Even the things that, that you would think is a good thing, the Republicans have completely flipped on. For example, Republicans are supposed to be um, the fiscal hawks, the, uh, the, the, the party that touts their responsibility and their knowledge of, of free markets and, and Austrian economics, all these things. Yet, when it was up for a vote, Republicans decided, you know what, we'll, we'll repeal Obamacare, sure. We'll vote to repeal Obamacare in the Senate. But we'll also, how we're going to do that is we will put that in our budget we won't talk about the budget whatsoever and then have the budget explode and add $9 trillion to the debt. $9 trillion in a Republican-controlled government. There was not a single Republican that voted against that budget just because Obamacare was in it, the repeal of Obamacare, except for Rand Paul. That was it. He was the only one. Now, while that necessarily wasn't a good thing, it is, A, quite telling of, of what kind of Republicans um, we have in Congress, and why, I, as I've said all the way from the very beginning of this show, all the way back to uh, before the election, back in September, Whenever this show began, I've said from the very beginning, it does not matter if, if Republicans control Congress, if, con if Republicans control the government, it does not matter if Republicans control uh, the presidency, because it's all a big scam. It doesn't matter because they don't believe in fiscal responsibility. They don't believe in, in the Constitution, okay? That doesn't matter. But what I also said on the flip side of this is that what does matter, and we had a really big episode on this uh, just a few weeks before the election, what does matter is not the presidency. 
I didn't vote for Donald Trump. I didn't vote for Gary Johnson. I sure as hell didn't vote for Hillary Clinton. Who I did vote for was someone who I knew wasn't even running, but the whole purpose of, of who I voted for was because the presidency doesn't matter. And it shouldn't matter. Not to the extent that we make it. I saw that, you know, well, of course, this is Donald Trump exaggerating things, but possibly because he loves to, to tout how massively important he is. But earlier I was, I was listening um, on the radio on my way home one day, just I think it was yesterday, actually, and Donald Trump was touting that this will be one of the biggest inaugurations ever. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, but let's just say, let's just give him the benefit of the doubt that it is. Why? Why? That's, that's part of the problem, I would say. We shouldn't be making this big spectacle. Now, I understand, you know, the, the, the ceremonial and the sentimental purposes and, and the peaceful transition of power and all that's great. But at the same time, why are we putting this much focus on a person that really shouldn't have all that much control of our lives? Someone who clearly has authoritarian tendencies, but we're making this out to be a big spectacle. In fact, just because it has become a big spectacle, that's one of the reasons why Trump um, won. Now, I'm not going to go into, uh, I'm not going to be one of those people where they're like, oh, you see this, this thing that I don't like? Well, that's why Trump won. That's not always the case. No, Trump won for many, uh, many different factors. But this, I do believe, is one of the reasons why. Because we've made the the race for the presidency a reality tv show of course the king of tv became president whenever you've made it a reality tv show having this uh having having this immense fascination with with the executive level with the presidency is toxic regardless of who wins even if it's someone who you think will do a lot of good it is toxic which is why um, I was concerned more about who gets in on the congressional level and who gets in um, on all levels below it, because this is very important, because now, as we have seen just in the past week, one senator is completely dominating, not just the news cycle, but completely dominating um, uh, the fight on one side, and, and he is, to some regards, winning, even if he, he doesn't win in the end. But Rand Paul is the only one bringing attention to the fact that, hey, let's, let's not just repeal it, because what will happen, let's not just repeal Obamacare, because what will happen is that everyone will lose their coverage that has gotten onto coverage through the system, and all the all the system with the, all the barriers and regulations, all of that that was before Obamacare will still be there. That's not free market. Just repealing it alone is not free market. Now, I am very cautious whenever people start talking about repealing and replacing, because replace it with what? When Trump starts talking about repealing and replacing, I'm extremely worrisome. Because when Trump starts talking about it, he talks about, well, we're not going to get rid of all of Obamacare. And then, whenever we do, there's going to be some government interference. It'll just be different. It'll be good government interference. It'll be Republican government interference. 
No problem, right? But when Rand Paul talks about it, I know that what he's talking about is, because he said this before, he's talked about this before. Let's try freedom for, for a change. Let's try liberty for a change for healthcare. That's something that we haven't had in quite some time. Why can't we try that? Let's slash all the regulations. Let's cut the barriers. Let's cut the red tape. Let's open up the marketplace. That is why um, I said before the election that, you know, it, it really doesn't matter who you vote for at the top of the ticket, and I really don't care. What does matter is, is who we put in as a check on the power of the executive, because no matter if it was Hillary Clinton or, or Donald Trump or even Gary Johnson, uh, by some stretch of the imagination, if he would have won, there would have had to have been some kind of check on their power. And quite frankly, I wouldn't have trust the likes of Marco Rubio, the likes of uh, Tom Cotton, Mitch McConnell, John McCain, even Ted Cruz to some extent. Now, I think, I, 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 don't, I don't think I've ever said this on my show before, I think I may have, like, held my nose and voted for him if he was the nominee. But that doesn't mean I would have completely given him a, a blank slate and said, okay, you know, hey, whatever. He's, uh, he's president now. We have a Republican now. We have someone who understands the Constitution now, so it doesn't really matter if he upholds it or not. But even Ted Cruz in the Senate, I don't entirely trust all the time, which is why I am very happy that we have kept the likes of people like Rand Paul in, people like Mike Lee in, even though he he voted for the budget that Rand Paul, being the, the lone senator that voted against it, I generally believe that Mike Lee um, is on the right side of 95% of the issues. That's a good thing. And then we have in the House, then we have... People like Thomas Massey in the House. We have people like Justin Amash in the House. These are great people that will put a check on the federal level. You see, I really do believe that even though he didn't win um, the presidency, I really do think that Rand Paul kind of emerged as the real winner, despite the fact not being in the White House, though I, I don't really think he really wanted it that much. I think he wanted it for the sake of um, trying to put liberty back into the White House, but I think what he's really good at is being a U.S. senator. That's what he enjoys to do. That's what he likes, because quite honestly, it's it's less power-hungry, it's less alluring than, than the presidency is. And you put forward, you can put forward actual pieces of liberty legislation, whereas... I don't really trust anyone else in the Senate to, to do that. I really don't. And despite the fact... Now, I, I know that, that Trump has said um, that he would do things like sign uh, Rand's Audit the Fed bill, which is great. I hope he does. I hope we hold him to that. I think that if it's going to happen, it needs to happen like within the first few weeks. Because the longer he stays in there, I think it's less likely for it to happen. Because I do believe that Trump is highly corruptible, more than what he already is. But if he does, that's fantastic. I would love that. But it's reassuring knowing that there is somebody in Congress 
and more than just one person, that he's not just alone in this fight. That there is somebody in Congress who will say, this is great if you sign this, but if you if you uh, sway either way against the Constitution, I'm calling you out on it. That is incredibly comforting, especially now that the Republicans completely control all levels of government. Because the last time I checked, um, the Iraq war happened under, under complete government control of Republicans. Now, granted, it wasn't only Republicans that made it happen. A fact that a lot of Democrats try to get you to forget that many of them voted to engage in the, in the Iraq war. But just because a Republican government um, is in control doesn't mean that liberty will advance. And that's what we have to distinguish moving forward. We constantly have to keep reminding ourselves, we constantly have to keep reminding those around us that that little R beside someone's name, it doesn't matter. It's meaningless. Because I, as I have said in, in prior episodes, uh, Republicans are just as dangerous to the Constitution as Democrats are. In some cases, more so. I think Republicans are much more prone to, to get us involved in a war than Democrats are. Republicans are clearly much more prone to in, <clears throat> involve ourselves in, in warrantless wiretaps and NSA surveillance than Democrats are. That's not to say that Democrats won't do it. The same way that Democrats are much more um, prone to, to abandoning the free market than Republicans are even though Republicans will do that too. We have to remember moving forward now more than ever that with a Republican-controlled Congress, a Republican-controlled presidency, we have to remember to be a Rand rather than a Trump, to be a Rand rather than a Rubio. I think both sides of those are dangerous. While they are different and they're certainly not the same, they are two extremes that... With with the Rubio extreme, it is more neoconservatism, more hawkish foreign policy, more unconstitutional acts, whereas with Trump, it is more authoritarianism, more being on the side of, of right, as in the political right, as opposed to just being on the side of right, as in being right versus wrong, more of the ultra-right. And I think both sides of, of that coin, incredibly dangerous. We have a, a world full of, of Trump conservatives right now who, who just want to stick it to the establishment. And then on the flip side of that, we have others who are Rubio people. And what I mean by that is, is that they want to um, make America... As strong as ever. And by doing that, we have to place our, our presence everywhere around the world. Being reckless in our military spending. Being reckless in our foreign policy. Being reckless in our domestic policy. On both sides, have an unconstitutional aspect. We have a world full on the right right now of Trumps and Rubios. And what we really need is for you to be a Rand well, everyone around you 
is either Trump or Rubio. What we really need is for you to understand that the label beside your name is complete and utterly meaningless as we move forward. It will not matter whatsoever if we have control, if we use that power to do exactly the same thing as the left did. And I hope the left learned something. I really hope they did. Because the right sure didn't. I really hope that the left learns what the right should have learned in the era of Obama. I really hope the left learns um, what the right should have learned that giving more power to the executive and just giving them a, a blank check saying, we don't really care what he does because he's a Democrat now. The right faltered on that. Even when I believe that they were beginning to learn their lesson, the right completely faltered. They gave more and more power to George W. Bush. Then Obama happened. Now the world's, now the sky's falling. The world's exploding. Now we beat Obama and now we have Trump. And it's as if every single lesson that, that the right touted, all, all their stances on constitutional conservatism, all thrown out the window, with the exception of a few. I really hope the left learns their lesson now. I really hope that they understand what the right apparently didn't. That it's not about, it's not about your guy, it's about the next guy. That we cannot just blindly accept that the Republican or a Democratic president, even though he's he, he may be your favorable pick currently, we cannot accept that they just accumulate more and more power as time goes on without any check on that power. I truly hope that. And I hope that the liberty movement doesn't forget it. Because I know that there are a lot of people on the liberty end of, of the spectrum that are pretty happy that Trump won. Not just happy that he beat Hillary, but actually happy that he won. And are excited about, about his possibilities. Now you can be, now being hopeful and being excited are two different things. Um, you can of course be hopeful, but to be excited about someone like Trump is a little bit worrisome. Now I have no doubt that there will be some people who will without question hold his feet to the fire, but how many in the liberty movement have gotten caught up in, in the excitement of, quote, winning, where we're just going to win and win and win, and, we're not, and you're going to get tired of winning? I know some people have gotten caught up in that, but the question is now is that will that excitement blind your ability to hold people accountable? I think that is the true question as we move forward as a movement. Will you side on the side of, of people like Rand, of people like Ron Paul, Justin Amash? Will you side on, on that side, or will you just kind of waver and say, well, at least we're winning now, and abandon every principle that you supposedly had? You know, Jack Hunter, uh, who is the editor-in-chief at, at, uh, at Rare Media, um, he wrote a fantastic piece on the future of of the liberty movement in the era of Trump. It was just published just a few days ago, and I read it, and I was like, this is, this is amazing. This is great. This is the roadmap that we really need to look into. And it's, it's a pretty long article. It's not just this short little column, 
um, because it is kind of, like I said, it is kind of a roadmap of sorts. But the basic premise is a little bit about what I've been talking about um, to you in this episode. Will we get caught up in excitement? Will we will we be swept uh, up on the Trump train? Or will we step back and say, okay, I understand that I will absolutely praise him if he does something like, say, sign audit the Fed. But that doesn't necessarily excuse the horrible aspects that he could have, and he likely will have. It does not excuse his authoritarian tendencies. And at the end of it, Jack talks about uh, Jack talks about two main ideas that will get us through this. Two primary concerns that if we can if we can get these two, we'll make it as a movement. If we don't, then the movement that was started, not started, but exemplified by Ron Paul in 2007 and 2008, that movement will have been for all for nothing. If we just throw it all out the window now that Trump is president. And those two concerns are to keep your principles over partisanship. That it doesn't matter what letter is beside their name. It doesn't matter if they're a Republican or a Democrat. Applaud someone who who might um, be on the right side of an issue, even if they are not a Republican or even if they're not a Libertarian. And then condemn those who are on the wrong side of the issue, even if they're on your side. Because it's about the principles, not the partisanship, not the politics. Politics are toxic. That's what we have to get away from. And then the second is to keep individualism primary. Always place the individual first. Because when you start looking at people as a person, not as a representative of said side, said team, team right, team left, if you start looking at them as a person, then you stop... You'll either stop glorifying them when they really shouldn't be glorified, or you will stop um, condemning them when really they're on the right side of the issue. This is what we have to. This is what we have to wrap our minds around. When we, when we don't place individualism first, collectivism steps up. Collectivism says, "I'll take over from here." And currently, and in today's political atmosphere, collectivism is the left-right anomaly. And when you side with either side, you are trading your liberty for that side. You're, you're selling um, your soul, so to speak, for that side. That's dangerous. That is incredibly dangerous. Fortunately, I believe that there are some people who will step up and who will hold the, hold the line until the bitter end. But the question is, is not whether or not there will be people who will hold that line. The question is how many will stand by them and hold it for them and with them. I have no question that Rand Paul will be someone who holds the line, who will unwaver. I don't plan on wavering anytime soon, but will you? Will you be caught up 
in the in the excitement of the possibilities that Trump may bring now that he will be president after next week? Will you be caught up in that excitement or will you step back and say, hold on, wait a minute, you can't do these things just because you are a Republican and you have control of the government right now. You can't engage in warrantless wiretaps just because the Republican Party has the control of the government. That's dangerous. You can't do these unconstitutional things just because you have control. You cannot engage, you cannot reinstate stop and frisk. Even though you were bashing your opponent for being a gun grabber and you're talking about literally grabbing guns. Not just grabbing guns, but doing so that violates two amendments instead of one. Doing so that violates the Fourth Amendment and the Second Amendment. Or you cannot instate no fly, no buy just because you have a Republican-controlled Congress. With that, the same thing violates the, the Fifth Amendment and the Second Amendment. These are all also positions that Trump has, has, has taken, and we cannot forget that. This is a very important time in our movement's history, and I really liked, I really enjoyed this piece that Jack wrote, who um, I plan on having on the show here soon. Um, I really enjoyed this piece that, that he wrote because it really defines to an extent about what the idea behind this show is. It really defines to an extent um, that it's not about who's in power. Everyone's feet will more or less be stepped on, but we're stepping on those toes because principles come before partisanship. Because on this program, we will never be mindless walking zombies just praising our team regardless of if they're right or wrong. Because, quite honestly, that doesn't really matter. I have no problem calling out someone, even if it's someone like Rand Paul, if he's on the wrong side of an issue, he needs to be called out on it and held accountable. Especially someone like that, because that's someone who I believe has actually kept their soul and held the line. And I don't want less of those kind of people. We've worked so hard. So those are the kind of people that we absolutely cannot give a pass to. Those are the kind of people that we have to we have to keep. Because if we lose them, then our numbers begin dwindling even smaller than what they were originally. We can remain a powerful movement. One that does not require the majority of Americans. One of my favorite, favorite all-time quotes comes from Samuel Adams. And I'll paraphrase this, um, but more or less he said... It was not the majority that, that won the American Revolution. They did not have the, the support of the supposed majority of the colonists. It was but a minute, tireless minority that did not stop, that kept pushing, that said, if we want to be free, that's how they won the American Revolution, because it was about their principles and they placed the individual first, not the collective. They stood for something. If we can do that, it doesn't matter how many we have in our ranks. If we can do that, we will keep fighting. We will eventually claim victory. 
The only question is, when? As long as you hold to your values, then it will not go away. We will keep pushing and keep fighting until we win. That much is guaranteed. Even if we have step backs, that much is guaranteed. Okay, now before we get out of here, um, there are a few things I want to talk to you about. In February, the Liberty will be going to Washington, D.C., and I'm very excited for this. And I had discussed this a little bit. Um, if you go back and listen to our kind of preview episode for the year to come that I recorded a few days before the new year, if you go back and listen to this, I to that I discussed this a little bit, but in February, Liberty will be traveling to Washington, D.C. to set up on uh, Radio Row at the International Students for Liberty Conference. If you want to go to that, please, please um, get registered now. They have a discounted hotel rate right now, but it's only till January 16th, so you definitely want to get registered now, because that's only a few days away. And I hope that if you are there, there will be some great, uh, great speakers lined up. They have uh, Rand Paul, Steve Forbes, um, I believe Jeffrey Tucker will be there. Uh, some fantastic people who, who really understand the ideas that we certainly talk about and espouse on this show. Uh, if you're going to that, please go to it and, and swing by and say hi, because I love to, to connect with you and and sit down and have a conversation. Um, and then afterwards, we will also be at CPAC for details that we're not quite ready to expose just yet, but uh, we will be in the coming weeks, and we have excellent episodes for you coming up in the next few weeks. Next week, we will be having a very, very important episode, one that I've been very excited to have because it's something that I think... We really need to discuss and understand. Next week, we'll be having our um, Liberty Roundtable back, and it will be over the topic of Obama's legacy. It's something that I think people on the right and the left kind of get wrong sometime for purely partisan reasons. Um, so we're going to have a, a very good discussion with that. We'll have a few panelists back, some some new, some old, and throughout the rest of the month, um, we have some very good episodes lined up for you. Be sure to follow me on Twitter, at Caleb Franz, and be sure to follow the show, um, Milliberty, at Milliberty. Um, and then, as I said in the introduction to this show, please subscribe to us on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. You will get these episodes instantly, so you'll never miss it. You'll never skip a beat. And until next week, we'll see you then.